super excited about it. And this next uh, next uh, client, I'm excited about because who doesn't love a racing sim, right? I mean, it, we all started out, uh, you know, on video games years ago, playing pole position, and now to see how far they have come and advanced. Uh, I'm excited about this, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Here is Patrick. Oh, hey. Hey, guys. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Thank you for guess... uh, having me on here. Very good. Excellent. So, Joe, we'll let you, uh, uh, you know, take over. Okay. Francis and Judy, thank you so much. Pat, it's you and me for the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, super excited to have you. Thank you very much. I want to remind everybody out there on EPAR Trade, first of all, thank you so much for watching. And there is a, a YouTube stream as well and Racer Magazine, of course, racer.com. Uh, if you have questions and you're logged into Zoom, by all means, put them into the chat section and we will ask them of Pat. Now, Pat, I know you've got a, a racing sim, but I also saw that you've got a video for us. Uh, let's tease the video a little bit. It's amazing. But uh, talk a little bit about the racing sim business. How did you get in it? And what is Matrix Motion? Uh, so uh, our racing simulator that we'll be showing today is going to be one that's used mainly by professional racers or uh, racers who are working up the ladder. Um, very much different than what someone would have at their house to train on. This is more uh, in line with what a factory OEM simulator would be um, that the factory manufacturers use. Um, they are more tailored to uh, testing things for the engineers, um, you know, uh, what does the suspension change do, you know, they're looking for the real race day. Uh, what this is going to do is this is more focused on the driver training itself, giving them the muscle memory, the physicality, the timing that they need to uh, train for their upcoming race. Um, so it's a little bit different than the factory ones. Um, I've been in racing simulation uh, more heavily for about 10 years now. Um, going back 10 years ago, um, you know, there'd always be new technology that would come out and I would build a new simulator. And after about two hours, I had put it in the closet and never see it again. And it just stuff never felt right going back quite a few years ago. And um, technology is definitely advanced today to where it's a real training tool um, for professionals now. Excellent. Uh, the company is called Turn Two. How long have you been in business? Uh, officially started uh, this business back in 2019. Okay, so you've you've taken a lifetime of experience, and uh, now you're making it available to folks out there. And you already mentioned like this is not a game, right? Now we all, I'm sure, would have a great time messing around with it, but. Uh, this is for driver training professionals, people who really want to get that full experience. Uh, tell, tell us how it works a little bit and how is it different from other simulators that are on the market? Yeah, so when you see the video, you'll obviously see how different it is. Um, so starting with the screen, you know, the screen is 20 feet long. So it's not something that uh, someone would uh, be able to sneak in and not have their wife find out about it. Um, <laughs> the the whole simulator weighs 2,500 pounds with the driver and counterbalance system active. Um, and then in terms of the motion, there's three aspects to the motion. There's some bottom platforms that um, rotate it based upon uh, traction loss, uh, yaw, sway, um, acceleration, deacceleration. Then uh, the second aspect would be the suspension motor. So it's doing all the suspension compression, um, elevation changes, bumps, curving, um, under braking, the nozzle dip. 
And then the inside, um, there's an additional five motors that control a driver tensing system. So um, the tensing system does three parts. Uh, one is it's actually um, tensing the body through the seat and it's manipulating the driver's ears uh, to prevent motion sickness. Um, it, under braking, it's gonna you know, tense your body up. There's a couple of motors attached to the uh, racing harness. So under braking, they're both gonna pull under braking. Um, as you're um, entering a turn, one's gonna pull a little bit harder based upon the lateral G load. And then uh, the last thing would be a pneumatic air system uh, bladders in the seat that will apply uh, sustained pressure, you know, lateral load. Um, so in the video, you'll see, uh, for instance, uh, Road America at the carousel. Um, you can't tip the car body left to give the driver the sensation of a G load or you're going to make somebody sick because they're going to know that their car should not be rolling that far. So the way we uh, do our motion is each platform is specific for what's really happening and everything is getting its information through telemetry. So if the suspension compre is compressing, it's based upon telemetry data. Um, so like going through the carousel, you're gonna uh, maybe have the platform traction lossing a little bit, uh, depending on how you're going through it. The body's gonna roll a little bit left, but what's happening inside for the driver is the seat is gonna uh, be putting lateral load on your left side. The air bladders are gonna be inflating on the left side. So you're gonna be going through that long sustained carousel, but you're going to be feeling forces. Um, and having the driver tensing system is really important. I would say most uh, big simulators um, get it wrong that um, they're trying to manipulate the entire car. And uh, there's certain things, especially chicanes where your body is just feeling millimeters of movement. And so this is tensing those millimeters of movement while it's letting the chassis do only what the chassis is actually doing in real life. And um, we put a big focus on motion sickness. Um, people might be surprised that uh, professional drivers are probably the most uh, apt to get motion sickness on a simulator, just for the fact that they're so in tune with what's actually happening. They're so in tune with what the chassis is doing, what they should be feeling that if something is off visually or motion wise, uh, they're gonna get sick because of that. So we really emphasize getting everything 100% uh, accurate and applying the forces in just the way it needs to be so that the driver can get the training they need, get the muscle memory they need and um, you know apply that towards their next race. It makes perfect sense to me as a layman that professional drivers would at some level, uh, you know, reject a simulation, right? Like somewhere in their inner ear, they're used to moving, they're seeing everything that they're normally seeing except they're not moving and it's being simulated. It makes sense that they would experience some sort of motion sickness. And you put a lot into, into removing that. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I always try to explain it to people as like uh, also um, motion through visualization. If you've ever been in a parking lot with your car parked, and the car next to you backs up. Yes. You kind of glance up and your, your stomach drops and you, you slam on your brake because you think you're moving, but your car, your engine is off and you're not going anywhere. So um, there's a lot of tricks that can happen through the simulation, through visualization as well with cueing the motion exactly how it needs to be. Excellent. It's funny that happened to me just the other day. 
All right. I, I don't know exactly how this is going to work. Hopefully they are controlling the show back at the mothership. We do have a video. Turn to racing. Let's hit it.
vào Patrick, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with the, the technology and the driving experience. Obviously, I want to do it. Uh, people already have questions. Uh, you know, uh, like, what do, what do you feel when you simulate a crash, right? Steve, um, when trying to match what a driver is expecting, what do they experience in a crash? Yeah, so uh, we have, um, I have a program in there that obviously knows you did not go from 100 miles an hour down to zero miles an hour instantly. So it will give you a pretty good jolt, but I definitely have it reduced just so it doesn't tear everything apart. Um, so part of this simulation is with all the pressure and everything, you know, you have to instill a little bit of fear into the driver. Otherwise they're not immersed into it. So it will definitely give you a jolt, uh, but it's not going to obviously be like what an impact in real life would be. Got it, got it. More questions coming in. And, and this is one that I, I, I understand why there might be some confusion. Do drivers come to your site for simulator time in this? Or do you sell these for custom installations? This is like a mobile unit that you bring around. Kind of explain that dynamic a little bit because I can yeah. see there's a lot of space required and a lot of work has gone into the uh, cockpit of your race car. Yeah, so this particular one um, is possibly for sale, you know, as a duplicate, but we generally sell um, one that uses the same motion principles, but like um, triple, you know, large triple monitors around it. Um, that way there's just, there's so much entailed in here to run something like this. You need somewhat of a team to run um, this kind of a system. So most of our other installations of this would be the same motion principles but a standard like triple you know 55 inch monitor setup um then from there we do make like compact systems that uh people who you know maybe they're scca racers they can put in their rv they could have a single screen system they can run offline um and they can test it there all, all the way to you know um general public but this one is really for racers this particular one actually is built inside of a race trailer um and we will be building another one of our like triple monitor setup that will be in a race trailer. Um, this one will be going to Western races. Um, we'll also be taking it to some, you know, race shops, uh, showing it around. Uh, so there's a lot that goes involved with building this into a race trailer, but we will be making another mobile unit that the idea is to, um, you know, send it in a pod to actual race events, and then we'll fly in. We can work with the teams at the track because a lot of a lot of the racing series, it's even no practice, no qualifying. So having a simulator that they can test on site um, will give them a little bit of practice uh, leading up to their race. Um, this one originally was going to go everywhere, but logistically, getting this large trailer to all the races, I would be gone just far too long to operate the rest of our stuff. Got it. No, I, I understand. And, and from what I understand, like simulation time uh, for factory drivers and teams, it's, you know, it's like wind tunnel time, right? It's always right. booked. And this is uh, an option, a, a secondary option, maybe for some of those factory teams that, uh, you know, want to get their drivers to look at the track or some experience or to test something, you can make that possible for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the OEM simulators, they're, they're booked up, you know, way in advance. Uh, also, usually only a top couple percent of those factory teams can even get access to it just since it's so far booked out. 
And like I say, a lot of a lot of the simulation use is used more for engineering data than for training the driver itself. So this simulator in many ways will is a better driver training simulator than what the factory ones are. Um, so some of the teams, even the top 2%, they can use this and get time that they can't get on there. And then all the other teams who just simply don't have access to the OEM simulator, um, this gives them another avenue. Uh, as well as you know, people working up, you know, in other racing series as well, um, they can they can train on it as well. Excellent. Rico's out there wants to know: Are there exportable stats analysis for review after each run? How do you work that? Yeah. So there is live video that is uh, filmed inside the car that uh, then goes to a, a full telemetry lab. Uh, the telemetry lab does everything from driver inputs to chassis dynamics. Um, and so then you can overlay the video and sync it up with the telemetry and get live video feed along with the telemetry and see what's going on. Uh, then you can compare, compare drivers. Um, and then an important thing is that data is that team's data. Uh, I would say we're a strategic partner versus an alliance. So each team, um, obviously data is you know, key and they don't want it being shared with anybody. So as soon as their training session is over, that data goes with that driver, it gets sent to the team, and then it's off our hands. Uh, we delete it and we don't want it. Um, we do have uh, correlated data through some of the best sim racers in the world. I know it's not necessarily real racers, but still can correlate in the data. And we can bring uh, independent drivers here and we can overlay some of that and maybe work on some issues they're having. Um, so this will give you all the data a driver needs to improve. And um, the one biggest difference between this simulator and the factory simulator is they have the real uh, car MoTeC data. They have their own tire model. They're working with the tire manufacturers. Uh, so when they make a change, a chassis change on that simulator, they, as long as the tire model is correct, they've got a 75% chance of having it correlate to their actual race data that change made that impact. There are teams out there that their tire model is off and they're still relying on it. So when they go to make a change in real life, it just doesn't correlate to anything because their, their physics tire model is too far off. So that's the biggest difference on this one. This one is really like I say, driver training, physicality, muscle memory. What it will do is it can give them the data in terms of the theory of chassis changes and they can take it from there, but they need to understand that this is not necessarily running that actual manufactured tire model. So they can even work backwards. A, a negative change, let's say you're looking at shock deflection on the data, they can say, okay, well, we know that that doesn't work. So they can almost reverse engineer some of the data for when they do want to take it to their race day. Because a lot of these teams, they might get feed, uh, they might get info feeded down from the top tier teams, or some of them just may not even get it. So they can get some chassis setup um, information through here too. Excellent. Patrick, why don't you give your contact information for people that are interested? I don't think that we need to wait to the very end for you to give out vital information, because I think the people that are interested in this, and they're going to see a need for it right away, whether it be a, you know, a racing team or a driver out there who wants that experience, that muscle memory, uh, give the vital information. And then we got a couple more questions. Okay. Um, it, our website is turn to racing.com and it's the number two. Um, our acronym is T2R, which is train to race. So that's, it all kind of fits in together. And originally turn to racing was, you know, most 
accidents. If you can get it past turn two, you know, you can make it through the race. It's always getting past those first few turns. It's always hard in a race. So that's where the whole name came from. Um, our email is uh, race at turn to racing.com. And um, they can always get our information off the website. We are building a whole new website in the background that has portals for um, data if teams want to send us stuff. Um, but we do have uh, information on our website right now. Excellent. No, I appreciate that. All right. Randy's got a question. How do you deal with centering after traction loss? Like after a slide, getting back to the straight seems artificial on most of the sims that he's tried. Okay. So I'm going to take this over here and I can explain that better. Good question, Randy. You got him up. All right. So I don't have a simulator active and the counterbalance system isn't active, but I will show you why this motion is different. Um, being that it doesn't, even though it weighs 2,500 pounds with driver and counterbalance, being that it doesn't have to lift or move all that weight, it lets all the really fine details shine through. Normally a factory simulator would um, have to move uh, in one direction, then slow it down, move back in the other direction, and that creates lag. So I'll show you how the system works. So let me move this. This is great. Okay, so I'm gonna lift okay. up the rear left corner of the chassis. So there's no driver. I don't have counterbalance system. So this top part right now weighs about a thousand pounds. So I can lift the rear left up with maybe 50 pounds of effort right now. So then the traction loss platform, um, I don't know if you can see that in the video. Yes. Yes, so we can. I may be applying five to 10 pounds of pressure to swing this. Now this is attached to the bottom platform. So this right here weighs about 2,100 pounds together and I'm only moving it with about 10 pounds of effort. So the way we do the traction loss is um, we've got, here, let me get this back on. You're getting hardcore now. Okay, so the traction loss system is probably where we put the biggest time into the motion dynamics. Some of the driver tensing system is giving you that seat of the pants feedback. Again, you're tensing the driver by millimeters instead of having to swing a whole car a huge amount to feel the instant impact you need. So part of it is through the driver tensing system. But the way our traction loss system works is obviously you can see it takes almost no effort to uh, move the entire car. Uh, we have a system where there's actually two motors controlling the tractor, traction loss system. So uh, the way it works is uh, we are implementing a lateral G load before traction loss. If we just implemented traction loss, by the time a driver broke traction and then it moved, it's already too late. They've broken traction. They had nothing leading up to it. They're going to spin out and that's it. So we're programming uh, lateral G loads leading up into that. So as you started breaking traction, your lateral load is going to be lessening as you start breaking traction. Then it rolls and phases into the traction loss, actually detecting the amount of traction loss itself. So we could swing the whole car. We could, we could yaw the whole car way more than what we're doing, but we're only we're limiting it to only about a couple inches aside. If their driver is going past that, th at that point they're already gone. They need to continue practicing, and you know we're not we're not drifting in here. So um, we're limiting it to really only a couple inches aside. 
but the way that it works is there is two, let me see if I can do it. There's two motors on the traction loss system in the back. And this, we have this set up basically as a rear wheel drive car is, is how this is set up. So uh, they've got the dynamic lateral G-force load phasing into the traction loss. Both motors work together, but one motor is programmed a little bit differently. And I would say the biggest problem with traction loss is through chicanes. When you have a quick change left, right, um, that's, that's the biggest problem or return on center. So, um, and, and also obviously the question is because a driver, the hardest thing to get is traction loss. If pitch was wrong, roll was wrong, anything was off on timing, the driver may not note it. But when they're trying to feather the throttle and steer the back end with the car, if that traction loss isn't giving them the, the direct information, it's not giving them the information to get better or you know keep it from bringing traction. So the two motors work together and they're getting the information through the G loading and through traction loss. Now what happens is one motor is programmed a little bit differently. So uh, let's say you're going through a chicane and you've you, you know, loaded it, loaded the chassis, and then you've broken traction. It's moved the car out. Now what's happened is as the G load is changing, the other motor starts pulling the other way. Now, the way it works, there's a pivot point in between these two. So the car, even though this motor has changed, the car has not changed its orientation because it's based upon the furthest point. But what happened is this other motor already reverse direction is energized in the other direction. So then as it starts needing to return back to center, then they both work together. And again, it's on the furthest point. Now they're both pulling together. So essentially you've taken out the lag of having to move the motor in reverse the direction the other way. One motor's already going in the orientation of leading back the other direction. So it takes out that millisecond of lag. Very, no, very great explanation and exciting. And Randy, thank you for your question. Uh, Pat, as we get down to it, uh, the, the vital information, again, and uh, the, again, the target audience, I think this is important because I know you do build other types of racing sims and judging by the experience and the high level that you put into this one, which is available for folks out there, but you also build sims and sell sims. And so there's probably multiple target audiences for you out there. If there's something that I haven't asked you about, by all means, say it now, but um, you know that target audience and where should they go? Um, I mean, we mainly deal with uh, professional racers. That's our target audience. Um, you know, obviously there's always the people who, you know, have the houses at the tracks and, you know, they just want the coolest, the best thing. But really where our passion is, is working with professionals. Um, you know, like I say, we, if you looked at that video, you'll saw we shot more photos of the driver than we did of what's going on through the screen. Because this really is focused on, the driver experience on giving them the cues to get better, um, you know, and prepare them for their next race. So um, it's really professionally based is really our largest audience. Um, and whether it be data or, you know, prepping for a track they've never been to, you know, going back several years ago, um, a simulator, I don't know if you've seen the movie Cool Runnings, they went in the bathtub, they looked at the photos and it's like, oh, you got a right turn coming up, you got a left turn. Going in the past, that's about all simulators gave you. Uh, nowadays, it's uh, pretty spot on with uh, what's actually happening in real life to the simulator. And you can actually bring data and correlate real data in through this dat simulator data. You can overlay them, and then you can actually work from there and improve that way as well. 
turn2racing.com, the number two, turn2racing.com. Patrick, thank you very much. This has been very illuminating. I love what you've done and, uh, you know, I want to drive it. Now I want to drive it. We all want to. too far from us. We'll have to bring it over to you. There it is. The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing, and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know your current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPART trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.